Sunday morning, we're in a sermon series called By Request. I'm preaching on texts and topics and themes that you have asked me to preach on. And today we're looking at the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. A parable that could be rather confusing if you read it in the King James Version of the Bible. Other translations perhaps are more clear. There's great truth in this parable for you and I this morning. We pick up in Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 7. A story being told by Jesus. Jesus was a master storyteller. And much of the truth he communicated toward the end of his ministry was by way of stories, parables. Earthly stories that had a heavenly meaning. Jesus begins in verse 7. He says, By which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding the cattle or sheep, will say unto him, by and by, when he has come from the field, Come and sit down and have a meal with me. Will you not rather say to him, Make ready wherewith I may eat, And gird yourself and go into the kitchen and make me a meal and serve me. And after I've eaten and drinking, then later you shall eat and drink. Does he think that the servant, because he did the things that were commanded to him? I don't believe so. I trow not. So likewise you, when you shall have done all the things which are commanded of you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. A little bit confusing. Are you a servant or are you a volunteer? That's the question we're going to be looking at this morning. This past Friday, Randy and I, along with a few others, went down to see the Moran's musical show on John Street in Charleston. When we entered the music hall, we were met by a greeter, a very friendly gentleman who spoke to us and shook our hands. Our tickets were taken as we entered the theater by a representative who was likewise very friendly, very talkative. We were escorted to our seats by an usher, and he likewise was very friendly, very helpful. We sat behind the production pit, and in that pit right below us was the lights man and the sound man, and they acknowledged us, though we did not speak to them. So, We met a lot of people as we were preparing to see the show. And all of them were nice. All of them were personable. All of them did exactly what they're supposed to do. But can I be honest with you? Other than just looking at them and giving them a polite acknowledgement, I didn't really give them a whole lot of thought. You see, I didn't come to see the greeter. I didn't come to see the ticket rep. I didn't come to see the usher. 
I didn't come to see the sound man or the light man. My mind, my eyes, my attention was focused on what was going to be on that platform in just a few minutes. The singers, the dancers, the musicians. I was more interested in the stars than the servants. Now in our story, Jesus is going to be talking a little bit about stars and volunteers, and servants. And in the story, he talks about servants who faithfully do what they've been told to do. They do it personably. They do it friendly. They do it competently. And they're ignored. They're on time. They do their work with excellence and effectiveness. They keep things moving. They keep things functional. They keep things operational. They're loyal. They're faithful. And yet not one single person ever pays them attention. No one knows their name. They're seldom appreciated and never awarded. Servants. You know what's interesting? Our world treats servants that way. But sadly, our church does too sometimes. You know, most churches pay a lot of attention to the stars on the platform. Most churches honor appreciate, award those who are on the platform, the stars of the show, if you will. Usually that includes the pastor, the singers, the musicians, all the other support group that's right in front of them. The stage performers, if you will. The church today also spends a lot of time complimenting and coddling and comforting the volunteers. The volunteers are the workers that we cannot do without. Oh, we cannot do without them. You see, they're big shots. They've got talents and gifts and they've got monies and resources and we have to have them and they don't really necessarily love the Lord or are loyal to the church, but we got to have them. And so we pet and we pamper them to do what we believe we need them to do. But we ignore the servants. We forget the servants, and in some cases we even criticize the servants. Those men and women who work tirelessly, endlessly, for the glory of God. And for the glory of God alone. May I go on record as saying that Miles Road Baptist Church does not need any more stars. And the ones we got, we could probably get rid of them. 
There's only one star this church needs, and you listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. He's a superstar, and his name's Jesus. All other so-called stars are expendable. They're just interchangeable. They can be moved out and replaced at any time. Let me also say we don't need any more volunteers. We don't need people who come and serve when they feel like it. Who constantly must be proded and petted and pampered to get them to come and give their spare time, their spare change, their spare efforts to the cause of Christ. We've got enough volunteers. Amen? What this church needs, what all churches needs, is servants. Men and women who belong to Jesus, who give everything they have, they give all of themselves to all of Him. And they do it in worship, they do it in their service, they do it in their giving, they do it in their helps. And they do it without any high maintenance or low maintenance or any maintenance at all. And it's these servants that Jesus is speaking about in the parable. I want us to see some principles about servants here. Because listen to me, if this church is going to go to the next level, if this church is going to go to the next distance, it will not be with stars. It's not going to be with volunteers. It will be with servants like you and I who will give all of ourselves to all of Him and do so for His glory and His glory alone. Now let's look at some things about servants that Jesus brings out in the story. Some principles, if you will. Principle well, number one, servants do work that is not glamorous or sensational. Look at verse 7 and 8. Which of you, having a servant who plows the fields or feeds the cattle of the sheep, will say to him when he's through, when he's come in from the field, when he's come in from the pastures, come and sit down and have a meal with me. Verse 8, you don't say that, do you? You tell the servant to go into the kitchen now. You've already been in the field. You've already been in the pasture. Now I want you to go into the kitchen and rattle some pots and pans and make me some mater taters and beans and biscuits. And after I've eaten, after I've filled myself, after I've had my banana pudding, if there's anything left, you can sit down at the table and you can eat by yourself. If there be anything left. Servants do work that is not glamorous or sensational. Notice the servant in this story. He serves his master. And he does three things every single day of every single week, of every single month, of every single year, of every single decade. 
He doesn't have any variance. He plows the fields in the morning. And that's back-breaking work. In the afternoon, he tends to the cattle and the sheep in the pasture. And that's boring work, bland work. And then when he comes in after putting in 14 to 16 hours in the fields or in the pastures, back-breaking work, boring work, he comes back to the house and then he has to cook. Cook a meal for the master. Cook a meal for the master's family and friends. And that is burdensome work. And he does this routine, as I said earlier, 24-7. There's no vacation. There's no break. This is what he does. Back-breaking, boring, burdensome work. He gets no recognition. He gets no pay. He gets no thanks. You say, Pastor, how do you know he doesn't get any recognition? How do you know he doesn't get any pay? How does he, you know he doesn't give any thanks? Because he's called a servant. And that word servant literally translates a slave. And slaves in Jesus' day did not get recognition. They did not get pay. They did not get awards. They did not get thanks. They were expected to do it. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't a preference. They were expected to do it. No if and buts about it. They were expected to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, serving Jesus, if you desire to be a servant, not a star, not a volunteer. If you desire to be a servant for Jesus, it will come with a price. Sometimes the work will be backbreaking. Sometimes the work will be boring and bland. Sometimes the work will be burdensome. Sometimes the work will be like Winston Churchill said to the English people as they were engaging in the fight for the survival of the British Empire, England particularly, he said to the English people, I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes that's what a servant has offered to him. Blood, toil, tears, and sweat. A teenager asked a missionary who had spent most of his life in China. China's a communist country that's anti-Christian, though it is the largest growing church in the world for Christian converts. And this teenager asked this missionary who had given his life to China, was it fun? And he said, no, it wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. Some of the hardest, most difficult work I have ever done in my life. But God gave me a joy. Isn't that what serving Jesus is? It's not always fun. 
It's not always easy. It's not only strolling down a, a, a parade route with ticker tape flying in the air and everybody applauding you. It's seldom that. Those who serve Jesus, don't volunteer to Jesus, don't star, aren't stars for Jesus, but those who serve Jesus. They understand that the work that they do isn't often noticed, it's, un, it's unglamorous, it's unsensational. They understand that. I want you to notice something else about this servant. He never stopped serving. Verses 7 and 8. Which of you having a servant that plows? Now this isn't just a one-time plowing. This is ongoing. Which of you that having a servant feeds cattle? This is not a one-time feeding. It's an ongoing thing. How many times do you need to eat? <laughs> you say, Pastor, it's an ongoing thing. You're right. This servant never stops serving. He doesn't get a break. No timeouts. No vacations. No retirement. He works every single day doing the same task, the same job every single day, 16 hours a day, every day of every week, of every month, of every year. And he will do it till the day he dies. He will do what the master commands. Now, let's be honest, the work can change a tad, it can vary a little bit. The basic concept is he's always serving. It might be on the outdoors, then it goes to the indoors. It might be in the fields to food. It might be physical labor to mental labor. But his service never ends. A servant of Jesus Christ understands that. Your service never ends. As long as you got breath, you're a servant. When you cease to breathe, when your mind ceases to think, when your heart ceases to beat, when your body ceases to move, you are excused from service. But until you pass away and go to be with the Lord, you are a servant. Some of us have a hard problem with that because we think when we reach 65 and we retire from our job, we retire from the church. No, you don't. As long as you work for the master, you do what the master says, no matter how backbreaking, burdensome, and boring the work is, and you will do it till the day you die. There's no slackers, there's no retirees, there's no loafers, there's no spectators, there's no coasters, there's no sleepers. They're servants. 
question is never whether will I serve. The question is where will I serve. Where will I serve? As I was making this message and thinking about it, I was thinking about people who have chosen to serve the Lord in areas where you probably would never gave it a whole lot of thought. We had a lady who would come up here every week and sanitize the toys for the boys and girls on Sunday. She brought her little sanitizer and every one of those little toys, she'd wipe them down. It was important for her, for the boys and girls, to have clean toys. There was a gentleman who would come up here and he would restock the track racks. You may think that's nominal, not worthy of somebody doing, but he thought it was important that when people come on worship days that the track racks have all the love stories neatly put up there, neatly put up there, the little tickets neatly put up there that nobody would have to go and look for them. We've had ladies who come and said, Pastor, the custodial crew does a good job, but they don't have the time and maybe the expertise to do deep cleaning. And so some ladies would come up and pick out different spots of the church and they'd come in with their, their, all their stuff and they'd do some deep cleaning. They didn't complain because certain parts of the church didn't look exactly right. They made it look right. Our little veterans garden out there, we have veterans that come and keep that up. It's important for them that we honor our military and we keep up that memorial. We've got people who volunteer, or I should say volunteer, they serve as greeters. They don't have an official position. We didn't say you... You know, do you want to be a greeter? They just believe it's necessary to have more greeters. And so they greet. They work in the nursery, some of them. They help in Sunday school. They come here and pressure wash during the week. They take on painting projects. These are servants who are doing what they do for the Master. They're not volunteers that have to be begged and petted and pampered to get them to do anything. And then what they do is give their spare parts to God and think they did God a favor. They're not stars who think they need to be served and pampered and petted as well. They're servants. Men and women just like you and I who believe that they can do something for God and God called them to do something and they're going to do it. The work of a servant is not always glamorous or sensational. The work of a servant is never ending. It's just like being a mother. It's never ending. Moms, how many meals are you going to cook in your lifetime? As many as necessary. How many beds are you going to make up? As many times as I need to. The work of a mother never ends. And the work of a servant never ends. Thirdly, 
servants seldom get recognized and never get rewarded. In verse 9, says Jesus speaking, says, Does the master thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? <laughs> Jesus said, I think not. Does the master thank the servant? Does he say to the servant, I thank you so much for going out in those fields and plowing that garden. I thank you so much for going out in that pasture and tending to the sheep. I thank you so much for coming home and making me a meal and cleaning up and washing all the dishes and all that. I, I thank you so much for that. Does the master do that? No. It's expected of the servant to do that. The servant is not thanked for doing his duty in this parable. It's expected of him. Let me say some things to all of us. First of all, we are saved to serve. You, did you hear that? Yes, sir. Turn it out. Listen. You were saved to serve. You weren't saved to sit. You weren't saved to stare. You weren't saved to run out the door. You were saved to serve. You were saved to be part of a team. And that team, if you're at Miles Road Baptist Church, is the Miles Road Baptist Church church team. You're saved to serve. Every single person. No exemptions, no exceptions, no exclusions. You're saved to serve. And God has given you the physical talents and the spiritual gifts to do that service. God never asks us to do anything He does not equip us to do. So He's called you and I to serve. He's given us the natural talents and spiritual gifts through His Holy Spirit to do the service. He motivates us and empowers us to do the service. He gives us the will and do of His good pleasure. And once again, that comes from the Spirit of the living God. It's our duty to serve. It's not optional, it's our duty. Okay, It's not just our devotion. We love to do it, so we do it. It's our duty to do it. Whether we love it or not is irrelevant. We're called to serve. It's our duty to serve. And our duty to serve is expecting nothing. We're saved to serve. We're talented and gifted to serve. We're motivated and empowered to serve. It's our duty to serve. But in our service, we are to expect what? Say it again, nothing. We're not to expect anything from God. Because many of us serve believing that we're going to get some brownie points with God if we do the service. And then we get mad at God if He doesn't deliver just like we expect Him to. Because after all, we did this for you. Expect nothing from God when you serve. It's your duty. Expect nothing from your pastor. 
It's your duty. You mean you're not going to send me a card? I may or may not. You're not going to give me a gift? I may or may not. But you don't do it to get God's favor, and you don't do it to get my favor. You don't do it to get the favor of people around you. Oh, what a good job you did. Good, good, good. You don't even do it to get thanks from the people you serve. You see, that isn't that, isn't that a novel concept, ladies and gentlemen? I'm just throwing it at you. You serve the Lord because it's your duty. And you expect absolutely nothing for that service. From God, from your pastor, your staff, from the people around you, or from those you actually serve yourself. Now don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with thanking people for their service. The Bible says that we should exhort and encourage one another every single day as we journey together in the faith. Certainly thank yous are appropriate, recognition and rewards are appropriate at times, and even gifts are appropriate, and I really thank God that we can do that a lot here. I hope you know we appreciate you. But listen, if you never got one single thing out of it, that's what you expect. We're not to be privileged. We're not entitled. We're not special. We're not big shots. We're not VIPs. We're not stars. We are what? Servants. How do you know if you're a servant? By the way you act when you're treated like one. That's how you know. What's your attitude when nobody says thank you? What's your attitude when there's no recognition? What's your attitude when there's no reward? What's your attitude when Pastor Jim doesn't recognize you? What's your attitude when you don't get anything in the mail? What's your attitude when somebody else gets it and you don't? Pastor, you went from preaching to meddling. And you're stepping on my toes, Pastor. No, I'm not stepping on your toes. The Spirit of God's stepping on them. Does the IRS thank you for sending in your taxes? They get mine all the time. I've never had a representative call me up and say, Jim Palmer, thank you so much for sending that quarterly check-in. That was so kind and gracious of you to send your check-in to us. Does a police officer thank you for not running a red light? Have you ever been stopped? And that police officer pulls you up and says, I just wanted to say thank you. I was watching you, and you stopped at the stop sign. You yielded at the yield sign. You stopped at the red light. I am so appreciative. I want to give you an appreciation ticket. Did your boss ever come down and thank you for doing your job? Oh, I'm just so glad you show up on time. Thank you for showing up on time. And thank you for giving me eight hours of work. Thank you so much. I deeply appreciate it. 
He kind of expects it, doesn't he? Do your parents thank you for being good? I'm being a little facetious, but you're getting the point. Some things in life we do because it's our duty to do them. Because we're under the command of another to do them, and we do them. And that's what Jesus is teaching here. His kingdom doesn't need any more stars. We got enough of them. And probably could get rid of a few more. We've got enough volunteers. What the kingdom of God needs in these final days of history is servants. Men and women who will answer the call to serve. Men and women who will serve faithfully and excellently. They will do what they've been told to do by their commander, and they will do it well. They'll do it without complaining. They'll do it without grumbling. They'll do it without resenting. They'll do it without being territorial. They'll do it without being negative. And they will do it till the day they die. Are you a servant? Are you a servant? Do you know there's a hall of fame in heaven? We've got hall of fames on earth. Do you know there's a hall of fame in heaven? And one day you and I might stroll through that hall of fame and we're going to see the pictures Maybe the names, maybe the, the plaques of great men and women for God. And as we go through that hall of fame that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, we'll see Abraham. We'll see Moses. We'll see King David. We'll see Stephen, that great deacon. We'll see the Apostle Paul, and we'll see Wally Ricky. We'll see Charles Spurgeon, the greatest preacher probably who has ever lived. We'll see Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist who's ever been. We'll see Adrian Rogers, one of the great statesmen of the faith. And we'll see Emma Dupree. Wally Ricky, Emma Dupree, has the pastor been taking NyQuil? No, I, I, I know exactly what I'm saying. You see, God's Hall of Fame is filled with people who were faithful servants. They answered the call that God put on their life to serve Him. They took the talents and gifts that God gave them and using the power of the Spirit of the living God, they did what they were called to do. And they did it well. And they did it till the day they died and they were faithful. What did Wally Ricky do? Every Wednesday night, 
he picked up toys. And all the game rooms where the Awana children met. He put up all the tables and chairs that people sat in in the cafeteria and all the tables and chairs that were set up for the Awana program in various places. He swept the floors of all the dirt that was brought in that evening. He vacuumed the rugs that they would be clean for the next day. He turned all the lights out in all the classrooms of all the buildings. And then he went around and checked every single door to make sure those doors were locked tight, set the alarm system before he went. Wally Rickey did that every single Wednesday of every single year until the Lord called him to be a missionary overseas. The only reason I know he even did that is because his pastor told me he did. He was never recognized. He was never rewarded. He was never, there was never a ceremony in honor of Wally Rickey's work on Wednesday night. But what was not recognized on earth in heaven will be proclaimed. And who was Emma Dupree? She was a lady who saw that there was a need in her church on Sunday night for nursery workers. And she answered the call. Not Sunday morning, there really wasn't a need there. On Sunday night, when most people don't come and many of the nursery workers who said they would be there wouldn't show up, Emma Dupree said, I can be there. And every Sunday night for 55 years, she was in that nursery on Sunday night taking care of the babies of folks just like us so we could worship. And she held him and she rocked him and she sang to him. 55 years. Was she recognized? Was she rewarded? No. Was she a big shot with a plaque in the hallway? No. She was a servant. One day in heaven, we're going to see a lot of servants that we forgot down here, but God never forgot. We need servants. We need you. We need people who will see a need and step up and do it. They don't have to be asked. They don't have to be prodded. They don't have to be petted. They don't have to be pampered. They don't have to be awarded. They don't have to be honored. They don't have to be given anything. Here I am, Lord. I will do it. And it's done. Heads are bowed tonight.